This is Mindful Conversations with Matt. That's me. Yes, and I'm Rob. And Rob. And Cliff. And Cliff. Welcome back. You're listening to Mindful Conversations. We're coming back for part two of Agree to Disagree. Yes. And the good news is Rob and I are still friends. Yeah, we are. <laughs> Cliff and his incredible mediation <laughs> skills has kept us aligned. And I think we're in a gridlock, maybe not a perpetual gridlock regarding your shirt. Yes. Because the good news is you're not wearing the same shirt as the last episode. No. And so I'm not quite as triggered. <laughs> yeah. Interesting that you got triggered because it was a, a Michigan State shirt. That's correct. Well, it wasn't the state. It was the color of green. You know how state fans get particular about yes. oh, definitely. the shade of green. Yes. But, um, but welcome. As you've tuned into Mindful Conversations, yes. Again, we have um, our very good friend, Cliff Berry, um, who is um, one of the sage experts here at Response Care Center. Yes. Wow. <laughs> And um, he has quite the history. You know, Rob, did you know that he once served on, I think it was, it was an Alaskan fishing vessel? Yes, I did. And he that was. That is so cool, uh, though. Do you remember what, um, what role he played on the ship? On the boat? I don't. Was it Cook? I was the cook. Yeah. Yes. He was good. Good question. Okay, that's five points. Thank you. Um. Cliff, um, in our last episode, had a really cool Hawaiian shirt on. I didn't get to mention that. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and you are a man of wisdom and uh, experience on the globe. Um, you've told stories about spending time away in Hawaii. Correct. And um, just meandering around the world. Well, I don't know about the whole world, but pieces <laughs> of the world. Yeah. His favorite um, concept to talk about is play. He likes to play. I do. In the, in the maybe the metaphysical sense of the mind and exploring new opportunities. And it's, we just had a staff meeting and um, it was just fun to be able to be with the staff and having imaginary sessions of what is it that we love doing? Yeah. And yeah. it was, it was just cool, but um, Isn't play the first pl- first place we've learned to learn? Yes. How to learn to learn is to play. Was it Dr. Rogers who said play is a child's job or work? Something like that. Yeah. So. yeah. And oftentimes as adults, we start to become blunted in the reality that we should stay playful in heart. Well, we got to get serious about life. We gotta, yeah. We got to get serious. Unintended consequence of getting serious That's as right. we lose play. We got to get serious on this topic. We have to find an opportunity <laughs> to get out of this gridlock that Rob and I are in because we have agreed so far just to disagree. But in our first episode, part one of this topic, um, we gave the um, concept that this does not, you know, a green disagree is not an end. It's actually a beginning. It's an opportunity, yes. Yeah. I would go even further with that since last night I was thinking is to agree to disagree is the starting point for transformation. You can have resolutions and you can have solutions, 
but you don't have transformations without without an agreement to disagree. Absolutely. Yeah, it's the process of human development. In fact, uh, before recording, oftentimes we will spend a moment listening to a song, and I chose R.E.M., Everybody Hurts, from yeah. Automatic for the People. And um, the lyrics got to me when I was moving from the bathroom back into our um, our office corridor. I don't know if it's Muzak or what the service is, but this was playing, and it was a it's a it's a high school band for me. Oh yeah, you oh. Know, back in the eighties. Yeah, when you yeah they were big back then. Yeah, and so it, when that when that tune just caught my ear, I was like it was it was making me you know. Th- I was being taken back to my high school days, but I love how music is always relevant. Yeah. No matter when it was created. Mm-hmm. And, um, but today, as we talk about this concept that Cliff has brought up, Rob has brought up, you know, conflict can be transformational. Um, we're going to be talking about that, but if you have tuned in and you haven't listened to part one, make that your, your first next step, listen to the first thoughts in our conversation um, today, what we're going to do is we're going to continue that conversation um, on a list that we are using from an article in Psychology Today written by Melody Martin, and she considers herself a conflict um, transformational expert. Yeah, and um, yeah, she has a we- website called Brave Talk. So. Um, as we continue with this list, uh, the first three points that we've already discussed, disagreement is healthy. When we debate to win, winning becomes a distracting goal. And it's important to challenge cultures of control. Now we're going to continue on with the fourth point. Changing our minds is hard and uncomfortable. It is hard and uncomfortable. Changing minds is hard. A mindset. It is. Because we always think we're right. We launch from that perspective that my mindset is accurate or right. But isn't a mindset constructed? I think so. If you think of the terms of cognitive schemas or constructs. Yeah. They're somewhat like layers upon layers that establish how you think. Is that roughly... I think so, like an onion. Yeah, it's and it's developed over time. Definitely. The way I think has been developed over time. And so it's not like, this is not a new way of thinking. This has been a way I've been thinking probably for a long time. And I would say it's heavily influenced by family. The oh, earlier oh. influences of life, you know. So I think my thoughts are my own as an adult. But if you stop and slow it down frequently... There's a lot of overlap there between what I was taught and heard in my family growing up and how I perceive the world today. Yeah, couldn't we say that that principle is kind of like the principle of gravity? Like family of origin influences yeah, everything. I think so too. Like yeah. that's the center of your identity in one sense. Well, it's, if it's not the center, it's definitely a major contributor. It's a major. So that's just a principle. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so, yeah, we're talking about the construct, the cognitive mindset, and the word set, like I'm set yeah. in my thinking. So that poses the question, 
when was the last time you actually changed your mindset? And what was the reason or the context, the why? Like when you think about it, when, when was the last time you had a major a major mindset shift? You know, I mean, if you we're not political, but if you think about it, I went from Democrat to Republican or Republican to Democrat, or I went from one faith perspective to a different faith perspective or something, opinion about a person or whatever it may be. What was the context of a major cognitive mind shift? That's a, actually a, oh, that's deep a great question. question. Yeah. I think it happens a lot in little ways, but the big ways. Uh, for me, it's it was 1977 is I changed the concept of my, my mother was okay. Mm. So it had to do with family for you. Right. Interesting. Mm. I didn't have to fight with her. Yeah. In order to be me. Yeah. You're making me think too deeply. I'm like, I hurt my brain. I'm like having that moment where things are like, they're trying, like gears are trying to shift and there's like, they're frozen. Um, I think I've been in this mindset for a long time. Um, but her point on the article was, you know, changing our minds is hard and uncomfortable. And I was thinking about it. There's a few that I could look at. One would involve my mom as well. Another would involve my relationship with God. But in each of the major paradigm shifts, it's been uncomfortable to her point in the article. Mm -hmm. It hasn't been forged in happy times, only heavy times. I never thought about it that way. I, it feels right. It's an emotional moment. Yeah. It's certainly a physical moment for me because I make a distinction whether I'm feeling uncomfortable or feeling unsettled. Those are two different, while they're kissing cousins, those are two different things. Interesting. When I'm feeling physically unsettled, it usually has to do with something that I'm, I'm, uh, I'm learning. It's part of the learning curve. I can't know what I don't know until I know it, but I get upset about not knowing it before I need to know it. Well, that's interesting. And uncomfortableness is more more of an emotional upsetness and discomfort. And usually that means for me is I'm not facing something. There's something that is out of tune that I'm reluctant to look at. Okay. I like the distinction. I, I think as I'm considering the the platform of my mindset over time and you're asking when was the last time there was a significant um, shift in that mindset um i would say it's been within about the last five to eight years because of my training and counseling because mm. i was i was coming out of a role i played in the church as a pastor and that had greatly informed my mindset and, I, and, and then moving into counseling, especially with the multicultural emphasis and training, yes, which is required for ethical purposes yeah. and, and legal purposes, I was, in a sense, forced 
yeah. to think differently for my professional development. And I remembered hitting a wall, what seemed like a wall. And my instructor gently over the course that I was in or over the courses I was in, they would gently bring up the expectation for the multicultural training. And so I was faced to address really the acceptance of people Mm -hmm. in order to be appropriate in my professional role as a counselor. And there was the dissidence. Yes. For me. The cognitive dissidence. The cognitive dissidence between what I thought versus what I was being challenged to think. So just sitting around this table... Her, her point is changing our minds is hard and uncomfortable. In each of our own unique stories, changing our minds was hard and uncomfortable. Oh, for sure. So I, I think, to Cliff's point, it does feel very accurate. Yeah. And I, I think, I, I personally try to develop, I've developed a habit over the years of challenging my mindset periodically just to make sure I still want to believe what I think I believe. Yeah. I have a wife that does that for me. Yeah. That's she, good. she does challenges me. Oh, she, yeah. cha- she challenges you. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. In a good way. Yeah. It, do you hear that? Yeah. <laughs> sure. Do you hear that? So that's a good point that she made in the article, I think it's, yeah. And it's a, it's a, I think there's an immature view of this and a mature view of this. Like today I'm more mature than I was five years ago. I'm not saying I'm fully mature. Right. What's the prerequisite in order to have that level of maturity to, to decide around mindsets? I mean, our, our other like principle gravity principle is, Self-awareness is required. Okay. I, yeah, I would say so self-awareness. I would say intentionality would be another prerequisite. Okay. I have to be intentional about growing. Okay. Um, so change mindsets just doesn't accidentally happen. No, I, I personally don't believe that. I think it's, a, the, you know, the other prerequisite for me personally would be hanging around um, smart people. And watching and interacting with them because, and people of uh, different cultures and different ethnics and learning from them. So there's that cross-pollinization or influence. That would be a prerequisite for me personally. So you just don't grow into mind changing mindsets. You have to, you have to go to school. Some, yeah, formally or informally. Yeah. I think another prerequisite would be being open. You know, you, you have to be open to the possibility that you're both right and wrong. And maybe that falls under intentionality, but I'm not going to challenge my mindset if I'm always convinced that it's right. And I just give... Well, there's nowhere to go. That's exactly, yeah. Well, I think that's the essence of this topic is instead of seeing conflict as a threat we see it as an opportunity for personal growth or to her fifth point which i think validates what you just said when we when we suspend our need to convert Ah. we make space to learn 
Okay. Yeah, there is a good diagnostic exercise evaluating my intent to convert somebody to my way of thinking. Yeah. And that you well, I I can tell if somebody's doing that to me. I can I can usually too, but a convert could be perceived as a threat and that's the brain's responsibility. It it picks up those threats. But I, you know, it's like you're trying to sell me something I don't need. Yeah. When we get in the way of trying to persuade somebody to believe something that I'm already convinced is true, using the word persuasion, I get in the way of myself and the other person learning something of greater value. If, yeah. if the person just simply submits <clears throat> to my way of thinking, they abdicate their personal responsibility for their own growth. Yeah, they're just accommodating or yeah. avoiding. Yeah. Yeah. They can claim I know nothing. <laughs> Great reference. I know nothing. Therefore, I'm not responsible. Yeah. What is that plausible? De um Plausible deniability or something like that. Well, it goes way beyond plausibility. <laughs> <laughs> it does go way beyond. Well, she's suggesting that if you walk into a room where you know people are going to try to change you in any way, you're going to walk in with defensiveness. However, if you walk into a room where you know that you're going to be allowed to disagree, that you would be treated with respect, you will not only be less defensive, but you will also be more likely to be interested to learn about what others think as well. Well, how do you go about determining whether the space you're walking to is, uh, is open or closed? I, mean, I would think experience would be a part of that equation. I have experience with you. Like just you and I personally, I have no problem with conversation because... Like we both seek first to understand before being understood. There's a high degree of respect that is forged in, you know, a multi-year relationship and experience and how I experience you. So I, I just off the top of my head, I would think experience would be a key factor in determining that. So if I walked into a group that I don't know uh, around the subject that I'm not quite sure where people are at, I can choose to walk into that giving respect or at least giving that start to respect. And you you start with respect and then they either confirm it or disconfirm it. Yeah. I'm not sure how to. Well, I would. I don't know about that one. I, I think it would be an issue of safety oh, and respect, okay. right? right? So if you're going to respect my opinion then that kind of speaks to it may be safe to go to another level or continue okay. the conversation. If you do not respect my space and opinion, then that's indicative I'm going to shut down. Okay. Even, even if you say it, even if you say I respect it, but then you go right back into con trying to convert to her point, I think what Matt read is accurate. Yeah. You know, if I walk into a room... And 
I personally don't just walk into a room where with people I don't know and start spewing out my opinions. Yeah. Well, let's make it more real life. Um, we talk a lot about family systems here because that's what we do. We do a lot of family <laughs> systems. Yeah. The the intent of a, a well-meaning parent to direct their maybe adolescent child. Okay. You know, now we're talking 16, 17 years old. Okay. And, you know, they're obviously starting to, we talked about this in our last episode, you know, grow them to be independent, but interdependent. Um, but they're now forming their own mindset. I mean, this is what, you know, family systems, you know, calls differentiation. Yeah. This human being is different from me. They may think differently. They may value different things than I do. Yeah. Just because they're my biological child doesn't mean they're going to be a replica of me. Right. Should I expect my child to be a replica of me? I don't want mine to be a replica of me. <laughs> but here's a practical example that if our child walks into the room and they feel that I'm going to try to convert them into my way of thinking, they're going to be defensive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you see that with political debate. You have friends or family that every conversation is trying to convert you. You know from experience to stay away. That doesn't invite an opportunity, like you're talking about, or like we're talking about, doesn't invite an opportunity for transformation yeah. and growth and development. I, I remember a distinct moment in my parenting of Kaylin, my now 25-year-old daughter, who's down in Georgia living the good life, <laughs> down in Augusta, Georgia, but she was in eighth, seventh, eighth grade. And we were driving out to Crystal Farms to um, for her riding lessons. She rode horses. And we're on the drive out, and it was that awkward stage where kids get quiet. Mm -hmm. And so I was really uncomfortable with her quietness. Like, it was very uncomfortable for me. And while we were driving out, I was noting that. But when we got to the farm, I said, hey, you know, park, put the car in park. I don't know what's going on here but I want you to know that I love you and blah, 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 blah. Right. And she's like looking at me like a deer in headlights. And it's like, can I leave the car now? Can I go ride? Can I, can I go ride my horse? Right. And so she gets out of the car and I'm left and I'm literally praying to God, you know, in my own insecurity, it's like, what's going on. And I just feel like God spoke very clearly to me. Listen, buddy, you can either choose to try to control your daughter and have all kinds of conflict, or you can choose to celebrate what I'm doing in her life. Yeah. And I remembered it was just like, you know, dad just like put his hand on my shoulder and there was a chair and like he helped me sit down. Yep. And there was birth what I have always stated, Lord, if I can just have a front seat, you know, of her life, I'll be happy. Yeah. And watch what you do in her life. And I've lived by that ever since, but it was a, it was a pivotal moment. Either I'm going to get her to follow me or I'm going to celebrate her following the way. And that's her point. You suspend your need to convert or to control. And I've bumped up against that many times. Yeah. That was well put. Well, that's just the moment that I had in one of the moments I've had in my life with this concept. Well, and it also illustrates these Matt's story 
okay, God intervened. He, he talks to him. And giving up that need to control, giving up that need to convert made space to learn. Right. And, and it's a, it's a, I know you, so I don't think this is an overreach. It's a principle that you have implemented to various degrees from that time forward. For sure. So the space to learn. Transformation. That's exactly the point. I mean, this, this, it was a moment of conflict. Yep. Um, Internal conflict. And it turned transformational because I yielded. Yeah. To the best of my, I'm not saying perfect. I'm just saying to the best of my ability. That's humility. At the time. Yeah. Can you have a change of mindset without, uh, without a conflict, an internal conflict? And you come across, can you change a mindset that is so bellatory, so, so well, funny. Cerebral. Cerebral from the beginning. Mm. Or does it take involvement in a, in a real world, in a real time? I just, I mean, here's my gut re- re- response. I just think it takes conflict. I would say so too. I, we live on a, we live on a planet that is filled with conflict and we either choose to defend our position and drive or we submit to one another and learn and therefore grow more mature. I, you know, not being omniscient, I, I, I would go where Matt did. I would say with my gut, it feels like it has to involve, because con- we've made conflict bad. Conflict is not, to her point, conflict is not a bad thing. It can be used for transformational and learning and growth and development. So I do think predominantly it takes conflict. My hesitancy would be if you're intentional, like you know these concepts and you know these principles, well, no, it probably would still take conflict. It just would be the degree or the intensity of them that might change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I think I'll just land this and, plan on conflict. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think that this concept of that we're exploring, it makes conflict much more appealing if you have the desire to learn. Yes. If conflict is inevitable in order to produce intimacy. Yeah. She yeah. Then the intention is personal, you know, growth, then I can then embrace it. And there's freedom. That is what produces freedom in me when I know I don't have to be in control. Being that control is an illusion, I can experience a level of personal freedom when I don't have to control something. But that doesn't mean that I didn't care about Kaelin and I didn't grapple with what role I was to play in Kaelin's life because she was still a, a young adolescent. And I knew I had a role to play. It, it put, it put the issue, which can never be eradicated from two humans, because I think control or power is always at the center. It put that issue of power or control in a healthier place. Yeah. Yep. It at least opens up the space for maneuvering and for testing. That's, you know, and that's what I like how she said this. It suspends mm. our need to convert. Because I, I I went where your brain went, Matt, if I'm understanding you. It's like I saw convert as power. You know, I'm trying to win you for a purpose. Mm-hmm. 
no matter how noble I think that is or how diabolical it may be, I'm still using my influence to convert you to my belief or whatever it may be. That doesn't create space to learn. It doesn't create the space to navigate. It doesn't create the space to navigate. <laughs> Don't quit your day job. Uh-huh. It's just catchy. It's a tune. <laughs> what about, um, I think connected to this, she puts on six, reasoning with each other strengthens relationships. Yeah, reasoning with each other. Yeah. Learning the idea of reasoning is going to strengthen your relationship. It's going to validate the, it's going to, I processed this particular point in this way as I was thinking about it. When you respect somebody and you reason with them, that's, that's kind of like evidence that your respect is really true. Whether my purpose to convert you is noble or not, but if it's noble, that whole respect thing gets lost mm-hmm. in the drive to convert, right? Yeah. And it doesn't feel very respectful. Right. It's not, I like I've never personally experienced it as respectful people trying to convert me to their hey, opinion. Hey, you know, the shirt that you wore in episode 32 was, <laughs> I could see why you wore that because you're a state fan and... You know, you have a, you have, you value different shades of green or I can, I can agree that that was the shirt that you chose to wear because of the circumstances that you were in. See, I can make those statements and, and hold on to my own position without trying to convert you that your decision was wrong. Yeah. And when you say that, here's the effect it has on me. Oh, I can appreciate the fact that you're a loyalist to the to the green that you were, you know, I can understand, but I still feel valued and I, I, you protect the relationship and I feel respected. Yeah. And I'm okay with the disagreement. Yeah. We don't have to fix each other. Right. Right. I didn't realize there was so much involved in that shirt. (laughs) That is one of the most powerful pieces of clothing I think I've ever encountered. Well, look how other points of conflict can easily sneak into relationships. Let's, again, keep it parent-child. Child comes home, let's say, inebriated. You know, what, were you drinking tonight? I smell alcohol. What are you doing? Yeah. Did you disobey me? Right? I mean, these are all shaming statements that put a person in a defensive posture You've clearly made the statement in your reproach that your mindset is drinking is bad. Yeah. Versus the alternative would be, hey, I noticed last night when you came home, you know, I smelled alcohol. I don't know if you were drinking. And would you mind exploring how your relationship with alcohol is going? Yeah. Yeah, you can address the concerns. I, like, have a mindset about alcohol, but so does the person. But if I'm going to grow in the relationship regarding this, it's going to require maturity. It is. And to your point, it does strengthen the relationship. Yeah. Respect is a a good thing. It was. 
It was a very good, it's a very good thing. It's, it is where trust is developed in order for relationship to grow into faithfulness. Yeah. I mean, a little confession here. When I was young, I smoked pot. I had paraphernalia in my car. But you didn't inhale. <laughs> I I had paraphernalia in my car. My dad, I'm the last of five kids. They didn't parent me. He walks out. <laughs> he finds the paraphernalia. I just say they were, they're my friends. He said, okay, walk back in the house. You know, zero consequence. And it, it was, I was really looking for a relationship that helped me navigate decisions I was making as a young person. Yeah. But we were disconnected from each other. There really was, I mean, the conflict was so minor that there wasn't any growth opportunity. No. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And it's like, so I had to navigate through that in my own time, which is fine, but I really wish I would have had my dad be there in that very special relational way to help me navigate through a life stage. Yeah, if the parent is emotionally present, they have the relational credibility and capital to invest and direct um, um, question, you know, like, whose is this? And, and to follow up with, okay, is it your friends or is it yours? There would be that that opportunity to learn and to grow. But so many of us raise ourselves yeah, because we're not, we don't have the mat- uh, emotional maturity to be present mm-hmm. with the people we say we love. Yeah. So it's how you start the fire, how you, how you spark the conversation. So that's interesting to your point, how you start or spark the fire is going to determine to her point, whether it strengthens Right. weakens or severs could the relationship it has that potential yeah. right yeah they could use to warm you uh to cook a soup or it could be used to explode and destroy get out of control yeah her seventh point persuasion and sharing power must be co must coexist must coexist that's, is that what you meant when you were talking about your dad, that entering that you just wanted that relationship, that shared connection? Yeah. My parents were both stuck in their own addiction cycle, you know, so they too have been healthy in that shared opportunity for learning. They would have had to, my father specifically would have had to have connected with his own issues, which he yeah. was he at that point was not able to achieve. Right. And so, so there was, that was a missing link. Mm-hmm. Now for a long time, I blamed my dad for that um, until I became more aware of the human condition and realized, you know, he, he did the best he could do. He was in living out his own life rhythm. But the point is for those listening, if you've got kids, you have great opportunity to influence them. Yeah. By these principles. Yeah. And, you know, sharing power is key. Like I recognize you have a right to exist in this conversation. That's why I'm inviting you to the table of reason. I may not have the same position as you have, but I'm interested in you. And I'm interested in understanding your position. I am interested in understanding your position. Yeah. Versus you let me down. 
the message. Yeah. Oh, you piece of. Yeah. Yeah. The shaming. Yeah. What will people think? (laughs) Don't you know that this family, our reputation is now. Why don't we just put a lot of weight on a kid's shoulders and negativity, persuasion and shit? I was just trying to fit in. I mean, I'm just trying to navigate through the barrage of adolescence. I mean, if you remember, adolescence wasn't exactly like a picnic. Yeah. I mean, social pressure of identity formation fitting in, it wasn't easy. And so, wow. I didn't fit in, so I just experienced the consequences of that, which involved a beating time or two. Uh, we're going back to the woodshed. Yeah. No, I, not with them, with the peers. Yeah. <laughs> um, so these are the seven points from this article on psychology today. Um, the last thing we want to do is... Right, before you go on, yes, do, you want, do you want to just quick give those seven points again? Would sure. that be helpful? Sure. So we, number one, disagreement is healthy. Number two, when we debate to win, winning becomes a distracting goal. Number three, it's important to challenge culture of control. And number four, changing our minds is hard and uncomfortable. I like number five, when we suspend our need to convert, we make space to learn. And number six is reasoning with each other strengthens the relationship and finally number seven persuasion and sharing power must coexist excellent i mean definitely a great conversation oh yeah i'm still right in the midst of you know learning how to do this you could do a whole parenting workshop over these seven oh yeah so why don't we why don't we do this why don't we kind of close this we're at 40 minutes for this podcast oh, my word. and um i think this is a great place i think we've covered a lot of content and this mindful conversations um any as always um as we're finishing this any thoughts that are top of mind that you're thinking hey this is what i'm walking away with i think you just said cliff wow this could be a whole nother parenting parenting discussion i mean the, the, aren't the categories like parenting marriage work neighbors um church you know extended family church politics right? politics there are some core um spaces in our relational you know um, pie chart if you will that really this could be exercised oh totally we it could, should be exercised. We could learn how to use conflict in order to be transformed as a person, but also to transform a culture, a mini, you know, subculture, that it could be well, it could be good. Yeah. Like we have that responsibility as human beings. And it could be done without shame. Yeah. Yeah. It changes the paradigm of conflict is bad. To conflict is an opportunity to grow and to learn and to be understood. And, you know, the other side of the coin of shame is grace. 
And if you're listening and you're like, wow, I, I really screwed up, you know, like with a kid or in a, if you're in a marriage and things haven't been going well, hey, there's opportunity to grow. Yep. Um, to learn and, and to think differently and to find someone you can reason with and find that rhythm of change that you'll grow as we all are into a healthier version of you. So with that, let's say goodbye for now. Goodbye for now. Goodbye. <laughs> Dr. Rob will be traveling again. Once again, he's a global, there's a high demand for Dr. Rob. He's taking off. We'll see what color shirt he comes home with. <laughs> You know, now that we've done this, I really appreciate that shirt, but because I appreciate you. I'm glad. It's hey, mutual. Thanks for tuning in to Mindful Conversations with Matt and Rob. We hope that you have an awesome, wonderful day, evening, wherever that may lead you. Blessings. Be care to yourself. <laughs>